This week's episode of Stuck in the 80s is brought to you by 80s in the Sand. 80s in the Sand is a seven-day vacation in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. And because I'm the greatest wingman ever, I'm sending Spearsy alone on this trip so he can co-host trivia sessions with none other than Deborah Foreman. Seriously? Debbie Foreman from, like, Valley Girl? The same. But she's not the only actor there. Anthony Michael Hall, Andrew McCarthy, Amanda Weiss, Curtis Armstrong, Diane Franklin. They will all be there. And the bands. Don't forget the bands. I know, but I don't think I have enough breath for this, but here we go. Ready? Loverboy, Howard Jones, Tom Bailey from Thompson Twins, Berlin, Winger, Stacey Q, Animotion, Night Ranger, Starship. Okay, I'm just reading all the names now at 80sinthesand.com. There's also The Smithereens, The Motels, New Shoes, and my fave, Jody Watley. This is impressive. 80s in the Sand is November 11th through 18th, so the time to book is right now. The event's being hosted at the Breathless Resort, which is an all-inclusive resort right there, right on the water in Punta Cana. And because it's all-inclusive, all my drinks and meals are in entertainment are included, and yours are too. Just bring your passport and the world's biggest bottle of Advil, because the parties are going to last all night long. All night. All night. Go to our website, www.sit80s.com, for more information on discounted rates for Stuck in the 80s listeners. Or just go to www.80sinthesand.com for more information. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. (laughs) The heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. (laughs) Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And B-Red. This week, we go back 30 years to honor some of the most amazing albums released in 1987. It's not the years, it's the mileage. It may be the years and the mileage at this point, Steve, but let's not go there. Uh, Joining us this week also to help bring some additional perspective to our sad and mopey lives, it's Jen (laughs) with one N. Hello, so glad to be here to provide some perspective on your sad and mopey lives. Hi. Yes, you know, we're, we're sad and mopey. It's so sunny and warm where we are, and well, the houses are all open. It's been snowing all day where I live. It's still snowing now. That's it's amazing. April, it's April. Why is it snowing? You almost said it, April Fool's. You were so close there. I know, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, it's because I live in Maine, and it's April, and who knows what will happen in April, because here's the thing. It's been snowing all day. Tomorrow, 45 degrees. So oh, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to melt off then. So exactly. no one's so even going to get a snow day out of damn it. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nature no will one's getting that. a snow day. It's just, just trashing your weekend. Yeah. I mean, it was disappointing. It's just annoying at this point. We're ready yeah. for anything else except for snow. Okay. You know what's funny? It's it's like you're you're being snowed in today. I'm down here in 90 degree temperatures, and I guarantee you, you were more productive today than I was. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that can be said for any weekend, regardless of the weather, though. So, <laughs> so here's the deal. Every year we sort of do these little shows. It's a series of, you know, hey, these are some of the albums that we personally connected with, you know, on, on a big anniversary. So it's 2017. We haven't done one of these yet. So we're going to each pick an album, uh, one of the better known albums from 1987 for this particular show, you know, and talk about what it meant to us. We'll play a couple tunes, tell a couple stories. And then next week we'll do a new show where we talk about some albums that are a little bit less uh, well-known, a little bit more obscure, but that we still have feel a connection with. And we'll have a fun time. Right, everyone? Right? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, oh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Spearsy, sir. <laughs> okay, Brad, let's get started. What is your pick for an amazing album of 1987? My pick for this week's show of 1987 albums is Depeche Mode's Music for the Masses. So, Depeche Mode, this was, I think this is their big breakthrough, really, in a lot of ways. And some Depeche Mode fans might argue with me on that point, but I think this was, at least in the United States, this kind of set them up for future successes. It was a little bit of a departure, a little bit of a change from Black Celebration. It's a little less poppy. It's a little, the synthesizer sound, it's still synthesizers, let's not kid ourselves, but it it's thicker somehow the the arrangements are fuller there's more going on and i just i love the sound of this album and i i kind of fell in love with the sound of it before i really started listening to the words of it i remember you know i'm playing it all the time i'm playing all the time and then the the lyrics start catching in my head i'm like wait a minute what the heck is he talking about (laughs) this was their sixth album released in six years i mean these guys were just horses just cranking these things out their producer for the first five albums and the owner of their label um, stepped out after they had had difficulties during Black Celebration. They had started to butt heads a little bit. So he stepped out and uh, David Bascombe came and worked with them, who'd been an engineer on So and Songs from the Big Chair. And I'm sure that's a big reason why there's such a change in the sound. Martin Gore um, said that the the name is kind of a joke. Uh, they had no intention of making music for the masses. I think that's kind of a, an odd thing to say when you're actually selling it. If you really <laughs> don't want to make music for the masses, maybe you should just play them privately. Um, and here's a, something I found out today that I think is really weird. As we speak, this album is at number 44 in the Polish album chart. Right now? Right now. That's so odd. I saw it on the Wikipedia page, and I'm like, wait, that's got to be a joke. And I checked it out. Like, nope, there are currently nine Depeche Mode albums in the Polish album charts. I think they must have just been released there. That's the only thing I can think of. Do we have any listeners in Poland? Do we have any listeners in Poland? I mean, they are a little bit behind. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have MP3 players there yet, apparently. I don't remember ever getting an email from anybody in Poland, so... My God, if you're listening to us from Poland, please email me and let's break the streak. 
And yeah. tell us which is your favorite Depeche Mode. Which of the Depeche nine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible. I mean, it's the '80s. I mean, the whole idea of being ironic or sarcastic with your album title was <laughs> not recommended in 1987. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah. remember what what if that but, made an impact on me at all. That irony, probably not. No, I just like the album, um, and I love the I, I love the cover with the big red kind of megaphone. It just it's kind of this. I don't know how to describe it. It's this weird juxtaposition of these, this megaphone out in the middle of nowhere. It's it's so weird. I think of all the Depeche Mode albums I've owned over the years, I don't think I bought, I don't think this is one I ever owned. Really? But but I know that it, they did a huge tour behind it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I was looking at that too because it was you know I do, I guess bands still do this kind of stuff, but it was six basically six different legs in Europe and North America. They wow. did a hundred over a hundred, they did 101 shows in eight months. Wow. Just grinding it out. And you know, and the last show, I'm sure you remember the, um, the album in the film 101. Sure. That was, that's the Rose bowl show, which was the last show of the tour. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I own that album. I, that was, it's an amazing yeah. album. Yeah, I yeah. do too. That's where I got a lot of, I, I don't think I bought this album either. The uh, music for the masses, but I got all the songs from it from, from 101. 101 yeah that's how i remembered yeah. that live those live versions you know who opened for them on that last day that last stop of the tour uh yeah. oh wait no you know i want to guess is it is it obvious or not obvious um i don't know if it's obvious it's not super obvious is it is it a is it a band of the same kind of music or is it a band that maybe uh, it's, is from it's, LA? It's, it's it's two acts neither of them are la acts huh okay i give up that narrows it it's down a, yeah, well, a little bit. I'm yeah. here to help. Uh, OMD and Thomas Dolby. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and now I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't I go to that show? That would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Have you ever uh, seen a concert at the Rose Bowl? I have not. I've been to Rose Bowl games, but I've never been to a concert there. Although I'm going in a like next month. We're going to go see the um, U2 Joshua Tree uh, tour there. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm, get, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking I'm about like, it. So oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and it was, did I tell you about this? It's a little aside. So last year we got tickets for Cameron to go see um, the Songs of Innocence tour. And I bought two tickets and I thought, well, he and I'll go. And, and Katie gave me the kind of puppy dog eyes like, oh, I really want to go see them. I'm like, okay, okay, you two go. So the two of them went, they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. You should go by yourself tomorrow night, like find a ticket. I'm like, I'm not doing that. But so then it was time to, this, this tour gets announced and both of them are like, well, you just get two tickets and take me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, so I have to choose whether I want to go with my son or go with my wife. Yeah. Who do you love more? Yeah. So I bought three tickets. (laughs) That's a smart, smart thing to do. Yeah, there you go. And therefore, you know, I live. What would have happened is they would have gone without yeah. you. You would have. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They would have. They would have stuffed me in the trunk. Um, so I'm excited to see that. But no, I've never seen a concert there. To come hmm. back to your original question, yeah, I, I would love to go there someday. I mean, I th- there was one year that the Florida Gators were like this close to playing in the national championship game, which was going to be at the Rose Bowl that year. Yeah. And I was, and I had already sworn that I was going to go if they made it. But they lost a game and they, they did make it. But it's like that is like uh, seeing a, seeing anything, either a football game or a concert at the Rose Bowl is definitely a bucket list for me. It's a beautiful venue, and it's a you know it's just down in the you know you've seen it, you see it on on TV every you know first yeah, year. Yeah, but I mean, I want to see everyone person. moves out here. 
That's why I want to, I want no, to see it in person. Although I'm just saying it's silly for me to sit here and describe it to you. But yes, I, I mean, this is all part of my master plan to get you to come out sometime, Steve. I'll get tickets to a game. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Apparently not the U2 thing, but something else, no. I guess. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Sorry. obviously, so obviously, um, you know, Never Let Me Down Again is a, is, was a, was a, you know, really well known, uh, tune off that album. Are there any deeper cuts that you really think, uh, yeah, the, the deep out. cut that jumped out at me, and this was a bonus cut on the original CD, uh, is a track called Pleasure Little Treasure. So I um, know this song because it appears on the soundtrack for Bright Lights, Big City, which when we were talking about great soundtracks, terrible movies, that was my choice. And Pleasure Little Treasure yeah. was one of the reasons I picked that album because it's a cool song. Oh, it's great. It yeah. just oh, it sounds so great. Um, I'd forgotten that. It's funny because I almost picked uh, the Brian Ferry album from this year, Bet Noir, and that has... Um, about a song on the soundtrack to Bright Lights Big City as well. Yeah, we could just do a Bright Lights Big City show. Most depressing Let's podcast ever. <laughs> no. Let's not. You know, you know what will happen? The same thing that happened when I went to see Bright Lights Big City. I will leave early. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good... Okay, we've gone down that road. Okay, Jen, it's your turn. Uh, what is your uh, album that you're going to represent from 1987? Okay, so 1987, it would seem like I would pick... Sign of the Times by Prince, which P.S. actually was released yesterday, 30 years ago. Um, wow. So, so yeah, I guess two days before w- this will um, will drop. But yeah, so Sign of the Times, double album. Abs- I had the double tape, which is super awkward if, if anybody remembers the double tape. Was it tape. two cassettes? It's two, it was two cassettes, yeah. It was, double, it was like a double wide, like the home you live in now, Brad. Hey. <laughs> Good burn. Um, so yeah, I had the double tape and it, and I almost broke both of them cause it is still to this day. And a lot of Prince fans will say this, but it, it is my favorite Prince album. It is so, so good from beginning to end. I don't think of, there's not a single song on it that I don't adore. God, I... There, it, there is in fact a song on it called adore, <laughs> but I did not pick this album. I did not. And oh, no. I hope I, yeah, no, I wanted to pick another album that has so many, many, many hits on it. And I love it so much. Um, George Michael's Faith. Well, I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I'm so mad at both of you because when George Michael dies on Christmas Day, I beg everyone, you know, on the planet to come and join me for a podcast. And nobody does because you guys have quote unquote families and it's a quote unquote holiday. 
<laughs> you don't want to record a podcast. <laughs> no, well, okay. the truth is, I was completely unreachable. You couldn't have reached me if you wanted I know, I'm to. Just, I'm it's kidding. like the one time in the last 10 years that you couldn't call me or email me or text me or something. It was weird. Yeah, you know, I, I must say that I... Um, I probably could have done it, but I, I, I mean, I was f- physically able to do it, but what? I, I, but I was so, Steve, this is not a lie. This is not a joke. I was so sad about it. Like but, it would have just been me crying on the podcast. Oh, that, that would have been great oh, radio. So that would have been so oh, good. My, no, oh, we trade your pain for downloads. Yes. I every, so, every, anytime. I was so we, seriously sad. I, re- I texted my best friend. Because Carrie Fisher had died the day before, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yep. So I texted my, and you know, everybody saying, had been saying for a while, um, you know, screw 2016, you know, forget about 2016, whatever. And I never, ever said that because I'm like, well, that's silly. And then that happened on Christmas Day and I texted my best friend, Lucy. I said, okay, 2016, you've done it. You know, F off. Like that was it for me. But yeah, yeah I was just too sad. I was just, so now... After, so let's see. About a week later would have been uh, New Year's Day, <laughs> and I watched a bunch of the videos with my six-year-old daughter, and we just danced around, and it was sort of like I felt better after that. But I was just I was way too sad about it to talk about it. But I'm happy to talk about it now because because yeah. George Michael, you guys. <laughs> well, we we broke an important streak that that with that show. That's the first show that does feature any voice of any co-host whatsoever so yeah well then i listened to that and then i cried some more so. <laughs> well that job. was the goal i feel better I feel, if you cried from my podcast then i feel like mission accomplished because that was what i was going for yeah no and i absolutely. gotta admit i sobbed like a baby trying to find the right ending to it editing it together stuff. yeah oh yeah. my god and to this day i just i can't listen to that podcast anymore it's so good so but so good pick then i guess is what yeah, we're so ultimately saying yeah. obviously we connect to the material and this yeah. is a huge huge album oh yeah so this is october 30th it came it debuted and it was or it came out and it was his debut solo album after um after he split up with andrew yeah. ridgely oh my gosh of wham um yeah, so this album, pretty much every song <laughs> is, is either awesome or a hit or both. I mean, most of them were hits. So um, so let's see, Faith, of course, which I loved that video. Okay, so everybody knows that iconic video where he's like up against the the jukebox and his little, his foot's tapping and he's got the leather jacket and all that. I mean, just... It's and just the acoustic guitar. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so cool. Such a good song. Black and, and white, I, yeah. And I must add, um, if anyone's looking for a fun, short 80s karaoke song you could do worse than faith i mean it, people will sing along God, and it's just yeah no no i've done it it's, it doesn't it's get awesome. up too high though yeah it stays in kind um, of a nice range yeah it's not too i don't think it's too challenging i don't think it's too challenging so yeah so faith was on this album father figure which is a very cool like has some cool noises in it and sounds in it that i love um <laughs> monkey is fantastic and yeah i love that song i love um, that song and that's a fun one if you're a parent, if you have a little kid. Like that's a, We made a monkey playlist, and that was like the first one on the monkey playlist, including like Brass Monkey, which is 80s, so sanctioned. Shock the Monkey? You put Shock, Shock the, the monkey. monkey? It is on that list, yeah. It's Good. a great playlist. It's a great playlist. So, um, so one song, and I don't know if it was the first song to come out on this album. I feel like it was because it sort of made the statement was, I want your sex. Uh, DJ, can you play a little bit of that now?
So this song, you guys, pretty pretty racy stuff, I thought, for the time. I mean, if you oh, yeah. listen to it now, it's sort of like what everyone is saying, the same, you know, so literal and whatever. But uh, this song I, I blew my mind when I, I think I was in, I think I was a sophomore in high school, I want to say, or maybe, yeah, I can't remember now, freshman or sophomore. And, uh, and I thought that song was so like revolutionary and amazing. And I loved the video for it. And then, okay, so I don't know if 80s Nation knows this. I'm Filipino. So I get sort of lumped into Asian, which is okay, <laughs> I guess. But when that video came out and that, um, I want to say she's Japanese. I'm not, I cannot confirm that. But the woman who's in the video, the I Want Your Sex video, was yeah. like Asian. And you, you just didn't see a ton of Asians. <laughs> so as a young person, I was like, hey, this is cool. And then I kind of thought it was, I don't know pretty cool that it was such a sexy video too yeah that i think about out long before the album that that came out the, that single was released a couple of months before the album came out was you know, it i think you're right yeah. because i'm confused about what grade i was in it came I out in the like, summer it was released yeah, in the summer i think that's right i think i was a freshman in the summer when it came when i heard it and then the when the whole album dropped i was a sophomore by that time so that makes sense thanks brad hey i'm, for, I'm for here to help locate in time <laughs> find it in both time and space. Yes, exactly. We are, we are but we are but travelers here. Right. So I'm not. I, I don't know if it's exactly a deep cut, but the only two songs that didn't quite make it on the charts was one's called "Hard Day," which I kind of consider a B-side throwaway. That's just me personally. Um, and then "Kissing a Fool" may have charted like not very far, but it's a really nice song. It's very. It, I it, love that song. Right. I it closes out the song. album, and it's like nice and jazzy, and it's kind of like smoky sounding. Yeah, the whole yeah, album. Yeah, it's is a real good. style departure from the rest of it, but it's so good. God, it just yeah. shows what a great voice he had. He's yeah. so talented. I know. So amazing. I, I, he he really was on my bucket list of people that I really wanted to see perform live, and so I'm, I was really crushed. I mean, he came through Tampa Bay one time. Like maybe ten years ago, and I it was like when I was in Vegas for one of our Lost Eighties weekends, and so I missed it. But I'm like, ah, I'll get another chance. No, I, I didn't. That's just the way it is yeah. these days. You just you just don't know. You don't know. You got to take those chances when you get them, folks. Totally. Um, so I'm hoping Prince isn't too mad at me wherever he is. But I I like to sort of imagine him and George Michael like sharing a latte and maybe writing some songs together. I don't know. That's just my dream. Yeah, I totally get that. So talk about taking your chances and making them count. Um, here's my pick for 1987. It's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with the album Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. So this album was released in uh, April 21st, 1987, so it's, we're almost up to the exact 30-year anniversary. And to be honest, it's not one of his best pieces of work. Hmm. Um, it was a commercial disappointment. Uh, it did eventually go platinum, but it only peaked at like number 22 on the album charts, which was by far one of the worst performances in uh, Heartbreaker history. I think like the, all the albums beforehand had pretty much been top 10 albums. It, Dating all the way back into the 70s, like with his first two albums, those wow. were like 
you know, first two albums didn't do as well, but, but, uh, you know, this one comes out and it's coming on the heels of Southern accents, which was a great album, but it has some unique things about it. And the one thing it has, I think that's kind of interesting is it has the song jamming me, um, which was number one on the mainstream rock charts for four weeks and has the distinction of being written by, you know, Tom Petty, his guitarist, Mike Campbell, who was both of them from Gainesville where I went to school and some guy named Bob Dylan, who I've never heard of, but I, apparently he's some sort of big thing. Bob Dylan. Oh yeah. Robert Dylan. He just won a, the Pulitzer. But yeah. I was going to say, don't you mean Pulitzer award-winning Bob Dylan? <laughs> he won the, he won the, um, not the Pulitzer. He won the, um, the thing over in, uh, uh, the Nobel? Sweden, the, the Nobel. Booker? The Nobel. Did he won the Nobel. I think it, I think it was the Nobel. It was the Nobel. So you mean he Nobel really Prize winning? <laughs> the Nobel so, Prize ignoring Bob Dylan. But so, as someone who went to school in Gainesville and someone who's an, I'm like a born Floridian myself. Uh, Tom Petty, you know, born and grown up in, in Gainesville. I've always wanted to see him play live, and I and I never got a chance until about maybe ten years ago. I'm not even sure it was 10 years ago, but he, he finally came through Tampa and I went and I saw him and he has a reputation for being a great, you know, live performer. Mm-hmm. And the, the show just blew me away how good he was in concert. And what's ironic is as we speak, he's about to start his um, 40th anniversary tour, which, which some people are billing as his last tour or his last big tour. Yeah. So if you haven't had a chance to see Bob Dylan, uh, if you haven't had a chance to see Tom Petty <laughs> until now, this is your chance. This is probably one of your last chances. So um, I really highly recommend it. The, the guy is just, you know, he's like a Southern Bruce Springsteen, I guess. I, I'm probably, that's probably not even a fair comparison. Well, not, he's an not, American rock institution. He is. And if, and if you, if you, if you doubt me, go to Netflix. And I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. There's a uh, on Netflix. There's a documentary about him. It's just amazing. It's it's like four hours long. It's ridiculously long, but it reveals the genius behind his his work and, and what an interesting guy he is. So, it's it's a fun album, even though it wasn't a hit. But there's this one song that I really love, and I didn't hear it until just recently. It's called "It'll All Work Out." She so black leather She had eyes so blue They looked like weather When she needed me I was around That's the way it goes It'll all work out Does anyone recognize this song or not really? No, and the title seems cautiously optimistic for you, Spearsy. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of my mantra. But this was a big song from the soundtrack of Elizabethtown, the Cameron Crowe movie that I talk about occasionally, but not too much because it's not an 80s movie. But Elizabethtown was a movie that came out, gosh, it might be, you know, it's about 12 years ago, maybe now, 13 years ago. It stars Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst. He's a, a guy who has to go and his dad dies and he has to go take care of his um, affairs. And when I saw this movie, my dad was on his deathbed. Oh. Mm-hmm. And um, I sobbed like a, 
I still, I can't make it through this movie without crying like a baby. And, um, especially the very ending. Oh God, it just blows me away. This is, it, it takes some patience to see Elizabeth town cause it is so long of a movie, but I'm telling you, it has one of the most amazing soundtracks. And one of the most amazing moments is when you first see Kristen Dunst walking through the airport, she's a flight attendant. This song, it'll all work out plays. And it's just beautiful. It is one of those just it is a Cameron Crowe moment. And um, so whenever I hear it, I mean, it just takes me right back to that that movie. And I just, you know, I tear up and I just all go gooey on myself. So <sighs> there's only another one other thing in life that really makes me that gooey. Can you think what it might be? Ew. The Seggies? Oh. The, the Seggies. seggies. Uh, by the mystical sound, it must be time for reader mailbag, which Brad apparently objects to the name, right? Going no, back to last I, week's show? I, I think it's anachronistic, but I'm cool with it. <laughs> okay. So we have Not a few letters. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we yeah. got a couple letters, a couple letters this week. Um, the first one is from Phil in Adelaide. Uh, Brad, do the honors. Okay. Phil writes, Hi, Stephen Brad. I can't believe that you struggled with suggestions for 80s pop culture movies for someone who wasn't exposed to the U.S. in the 1980s. As an Australian, I can help you out. As an aside, Phil, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd been up for like 20 minutes. There was a few delicious beverages consumed the night before. Steve was cracking the whip. You know, I'm sorry. I wasn't on my A game. My bad. I won't let it happen again. Okay. (laughs) Bill continues. For something set in Germany, you can go no further than Stripes with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Dare I say a classic? Wow. For the main course, back catalog of Bill Murray movies would be required viewing. Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, Scrooged, anyone? Rounded out with a sampling of early Tom Cruise, Risky Business, and Top Gun. And as a dessert course, I'd recommend The Blues Brothers, Electric Dreams, The Pirate Movie, and Xanadu. Oh, wait. I seem to be the only one who likes this. <laughs> the pirate movie? The pirate movie. That's not dessert. No, that's not dessert. That's not even amusing enough to be an amuse-bouche. <laughs> okay. hey, I, I have to co-sign on Electric Dreams, though. I love, oh, I love so Electric much. Dreams. And Xanadu requires a little bit of patience, but um, it has a good payoff at the end. So. I've, I've never seen that all the way through, but I love the soundtrack, so I probably oh, yeah, ought to watch it. It is the best. Um, yeah, so so last week um, we did have uh, a plea for you know what what eighties movies would you recommend to um, someone who didn't quite experience the eighties uh, movie wise, and we did kind of pull a uh, we we did pull a hamstring on that one. Kind of laid an egg. Yeah, it's um, hard to record. Stri- stripes is so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Oh my God! I didn't tell you this. This is bizarre. So I mean, like I, I've like hinted to this in the last couple of podcasts, but this um, friend friend of ours from the '80s cruise who lives in Ohio, who I call Buckeye Girl, has apparently never seen um, Sixteen Candles. Oh no! How's that even one. possible? I know. So I'm just saying, you know, there are Ooh. people out there. She was on the '80s cruise both years. Who maybe and, haven't been exposed to the classics. Yeah. I mean, she's more of a music person than a movie person, which I get, you know. It, I mean, I, don't tell Jen I've never heard Sign of the Times. You know, she'll never speak to me again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, can, can I can Jen with one end throw in on this movie thing? I, yeah. I just have one yeah. thing to say, and it's one word that is a made-up word, 
flash dance. <laughs> like that, yeah. you don't get yeah. eight. Yeah, that's yeah, a good that, 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 that jokes to back to that point back to that are are everywhere. So I mean, it was a touchstone for sure. Is what I mean was every yeah. the fashion, the music, the style of what the way it was shot, like a huge video, like everything about it. I feel is just so wonderful and so eighties. Yeah, I mean, Purple Rain, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, The Sure Thing, the entire collection of John Cusack, basically. Yeah, I, I have to say, though, I mean, one more thing about Flashdance is it's rare that a movie um, creates a fashion yeah. statement. Like, you think about yeah. that t- the cut tee. Yeah. Or the cut sweatshirt, whatever. Like, that was everywhere, yeah. and it was that movie that made it happen. <laughs> did anybody really do that on Andy's oh, Cruise? I don't, oh, I was going to say. On the Cruise? Oh, I was yeah. Like, yeah, in sixth oh, yeah. grade, I did that a lot. But on the Cruise, yes, absolutely, Steve. Okay, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm blanking out when it comes to costumes. You were, you were being respectful and looking in people's eyes. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me to a T. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as always, if you want to glass of gin over here, we got another letter. <laughs> okay, another letter. So um, I'm sorry. It's 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 funny you mentioned gin. That's what's kind of doing its evil work on me right now. Uh, mm. The next letter is from Andy and Sydney. Uh, Brad, take it away. Well, we got all of our letters are from uh, down under this week. Hi guys, I was a regular listener back in the day. However, as life takes over and the wait for Spearsy to do the Aussies in the '80s show became unbearable, I sort of dropped off. But what a pleasure it was to see the show still going. I resubscribed and have caught up the last couple of months. You guys are doing great, and now it's a regular listen again. One day I might try and catch up on those lost years of episodes, but right now I'm enjoying show to show. If you ever did do that Australia in the 80s show, let me know what episode it was, and I'll crack the wild turkey and enjoy it. Keep up the excellent work, boys. I'm back. Andy and Sydney. Oh, man. I've wanted to do an Australia in the 80s show forever, and I... Um, I have like I gotta find it. Somebody said I. It's been a while, so I, forgive me whoever sent it to me. But somebody sent me a CD of like like these are the most important songs from Australia in the eighties, huh. um, and it's an amazing CD. And I I listened to it like nonstop for years. I have to find it because it would be the perfect uh, soundtrack for that episode. So I definitely want to do songs that. that were popular like in Australia, or was it yes. Australian acts? Because like I know in excess, you know, was. Obviously, no, they were, these were Austra- didn't have the same kind of impact there that they did in other places because they were no, never there. No, no, in excess. It was it was only band. There was bands that were just mainly popular. Australian bands that were mainly popular in Australia at the time. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh my god, so good. Um, some of those songs are burned in my brain. Um, as always, send in your emails. We love to read them to uh, podcast at sit80s.com. Hey, it's time for our brand new segment. Uh, I want my mystery TV. Um, so we started MTV. this TV. <laughs> we started this a couple weeks ago, and we didn't know what people would think about it. So basically, the premise is we're going to play you a snippet of a um, TV theme song from the '80s, and you tell us if you can get it right or not. And so I really kind of like I really thought hard about what to use for the first ever clip. And I thought, well, I'll use this because I, I didn't watch this show. And I don't know that I even know the answer to this. 
apparently I'm the only one in the world who didn't know the answer to this one. Here was, here was, here was the first ever mystery TV clip. Well, I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with Farrah. Yeah, that's from The Fall Guy. And um, I'm a dirty dog. I don't think I ever watched a single episode of the show. Oh, I watch this every week. I love the show. I watch oh, the beginning you? of it every week, and then I would turn it to something else. Yeah, sounds <laughs> more like me. The list of winners here is extensive, by the way. Extensive. I, I so can't much, do this. So much so that we've asked Jen with one N to take a stab at it. Here you go, Jen. I can do this. Get ready, guys. Settle in. Andy in Sydney. Welcome back, Andy. Sean Fitzgerald, Dave Dirt, Dave Parrott, Brock in North Dakota, Aaron Shaw in Alberta, Matthew Gore, Joshua in Birmingham, Joseph Siski, Jess with one S in Westford, Mass., Bernie the Dutch Oven in Sydney, Chris Cooling from Forgotten TV, our buddy Matt Riegel from the 80s Cruise, Dave Sedillo or Sedillo, Kurt in Dirty Jersey, Jay Swash in Beaver Creek, Chris no longer from South Lyon, Russ from Newton or Newtown, Jeff from the other Weatherford, Gabriel Daigle, Alejandro Sticks Cardosa, Solis from Tijuana, Tim from Toadsuck, hmm. Garrett in Houston, Jane Lulos, Jonathan Thompson from Alabama, Melissa Go Gators from Texas, Todd Bro from Louisiana, Ed from West Seattle, Victoria in Big Bear, Rick in Kenosha, Todd in Minnesota, Eric in Alpharetta, Lynn Greer, Billy in Paducah, hoping for a bottle opener, Ryan the Pirate in Nashville, hey, hey Ryan, how's it going, Cecil Cahoon, 8-Bit Johnny from Detroit, Tom Wandering Graz in Austria, Nurse Marie, Beat Poet Jay, Jeremy in Asheville, Alex the Unknown Stuntman, Peter, Johanna Lil Buckeye's friend in Ohio, Pickett, Russ in Omaha, Peter Ryan, John in Phoenix. Okay, let's spin the wheel and find out who gets the, the uh, Stuck in the swag. And it looks like it. Oh my God! It's actually going to go to Billy and Paducah, who gets the bottle opener that he was coveting. Woohoo! I, okay, Sometimes Billy, it's better be lucky than good. Yeah, yeah. Billy, send us your snail mail uh, via email, and uh, we will get that out to you soon. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> Watch me trick Fred out of his fruity pebbles. Happy birthday, Fred. Oh, Bon, thanks. Hey, you want to pin the tail on the donkey Sure. Okay, one, two, three, go. Mm-hmm. Delicious fruity pebbles. <laughs> I got him now. My pebbles. <laughs> Something tells me the party's over. Post fruity and cocoa pebble cereal, part of this nutritious breakfast. Yabba dabba delicious. It's time for another episode of 
Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. This week's question comes from Dave Augie August, uh, our buddy from the 80s cruise. And um, Brad, you're going to have to read this question for me. The gin is doing okay. its evil work. Oh, well, I'm here for you, my friend. So Dave writes, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees this upcoming week, which of the inducted 80s bands meets the most musically to 80s fans now? I believe the gut reaction is to shout out Journey without a second thought. But I think yes... What, what are you doing? Put down the iced beverage. But I think yes actually has to get some consideration. They have something from the 80s that Journey never achieved. A number one single. Ooh, sick burn. Mm, burn. Sick burn. Get some cream. They also have anthem status with Owner of a Lonely Heart. While every drunk person on the 80s cruise knows, along with the fans of your podcast, that Journey instantly brings about a sing-along with everyone who could possibly butcher Steve's vocals, but I think yes may actually mean more to us now. ELO had some minor chart success in the 80s, and I think Jeff Lynn's major additional contribution may have only be that he plays with every musician on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stage during induction. I'd love to know what you think. Also, what are the odds that each of you are now giving on Steve Perry actually performing at least one song with Journey at the Hall of Fame induction with a week or so to go? From Dave August, still traumatized by Grimace love at the trivia event. That's yeah, that's nice. You and me both. Super Dave. <laughs> um, okay, so good question. As we all know from our homework... It was just announced, I think, yesterday that Steve Perry is planning to be there um, in New York for the induction ceremony. But according to Jonathan Kane, the keyboard player for Journey, he will not be performing. Arnell Pineda will still be doing that. So it's like Steve will be on stage, will accept the award. He might say some kind words, but then he'll skedaddle to use the exact words um, from Jonathan when the band starts to play. Um, so what are the odds that we are completely wrong and that Steve Perry will actually perform one song at least? I don't <sighs> think it'll happen. I just, just, I just, there's too much bad blood there. <sighs> yeah. I'd say like, I'm going to give it a 20% chance. I think that's think, pretty Jen? generous, but I'm it could happen. I'm going to give it a 95% chance that Steve Perry will sing one song with Journey, because if I'm wrong, who cares? So I'm going to say <laughs> 95%. point there. 95%. You gosh darn contrarian, you. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean. It's being positive and bringing the positive perspective to your sad and, <laughs> what was it? But, I don't uh, remember. Mopey. 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 Yeah, I know. I think, I think. It could happen. I mean, weirder things have happened of late. So why not Steve Perry singing with Journey, well, you know? Here's the thing I think about is that, you know, better to go down with actually like sucking it up and doing it than to sort of say, you know, be sitting around 10 years from now saying, I wish I'd actually sung a song. Maybe he doesn't, though. Maybe he's done. <laughs> Maybe he's moved on. Well, I mean, I get that he's probably moved on. Um. But I'm just like I'm glad that he's get, I'm glad he's going to be there. I personally was rooting for him not to be there just because I just thought, you know, it's better press. It's, better, it's more fun to write about if he's not there. Um, I, I I think he might like at least come on stage and bang a tambourine and maybe sing backup vocals oh, for one no, of the songs. Guys, oh no, 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 no way that happens. What's going to happen is so so he won't sing. And then um, who's the who's the lead? I can never remember his name. Arnell Pineda. Arnell Pineda, Pineda. even though he's Filipino. But um, so I think he's going to start singing, and then from the wings, Steve will appear, and then he'll start to sing along, 
and then he'll just be singing by himself and it'll be amazing. Wait, wait, wait. And then they'll have a rap battle. No, no. It'll be harmony. Just for that one precious moment in time, everything will be fine. Aren't you describing the end of... You're describing the end of Spinal Tap. (laughs) So, 75% chance of that happening. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. We'll I, see. I, I give a hundred percent, a hundred percent chance of me not caring either way. But. <laughs> I, don't I care. <laughs> I care. I care a little. I'm, I'm a on the. Lot. I'm on the record. I'm on the record of my feelings about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah as but, um, I believe. Yeah. So, so Augie is asking. You know, is is um, does Journey? Um, are they the ultimate? Um, the ultimate '80s name being inducted this year, or should it be yes? Um, no, I would, even though they did have a number one hit, I, I still have to think you have to go with journey. Um, just, I mean, when I think of yes, I, the, my first thought goes to like a song like roundabout, like or something roundabout, like that. The, the earlier prog stuff. Right. And when you think of journey, I mean, they, even though they had 80s. hits before the eighties, their biggest success was the eighties. So, well, yeah. and you know, he jokes about Jeff Lynn, but uh, Jeff Lynn did so much writing and producing and and such in the eighties with so many people that his fingerprints are all over everything. Sure, um, which yeah. is why I why personally I would say ELO, but that's because I was always a much bigger ELO fan and remain a much bigger ELO fan than I've ever been a Journey fan. But I think that that uh, you know, in this case, I'm willing to acknowledge that my perspective is likely not shared by eighties nation. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll find out in a few short days how it goes. But uh, my my guess is that everybody kind of wins this year with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then uh, two weeks from now, we won't care about it at all. And we'll just go back to our sad, lonely, mopey lives. Hmm. Uh, sorry. Hey, so we'll be back next week with um, part two of albums turning 30. I don't know that there's going to be a part three or four or five, but my guess is yes. But uh, not, no pun intended. And the journey um, to those the journey to those episodes will lead us to yes. I'm yes. beginning to think these puns are f- intended. No, trust me. Okay. <laughs> Nothing in our podcast is ever intended. Okay. <laughs> but, in, but in the meantime, Jen and I uh, and my friend B Rad will remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Don't stop. Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And remember, this is only an exhibition, not a competition. Please, no wagering. Does that work for everybody? Mm Mm-hmm.